But what's a language learner, Kirsten? Pretty much all of us, isn't it? Hey folks, welcome to the Creative Language Learning Podcast with Kirsten Cable and Lindsay Dow. Episode 35 of the Creative Language Learning Podcast is brought to you with support from Hello Talk. Talk to the world. Right, so here's what it is. If you are trying to find a language exchange partner, it can actually be an incredible pain to organize. You might spend about three hours on italki just messing around, or you put up flyers on your campus, or what are you going to do? Are you going to go around town and kind of say, hey, hola, uh, do you know someone who speaks Spanish that I can talk to? Um, and none of that is really perfect. Or if you are working on Skype exchanges, etc., you're kind of tied to your computer all the time. And that's not really what I like in my language learning. I like to be able to move around, like literally move around because my computer is the place where I work. Um, so I kind of want to come away from that. And the answer, the answer is so simple. It was there all the time. It was Hello Talk. It's an app. And this little app gets you the most out of chatting on your mobile phone to improve any language that you can possibly learn. So we've got 130 languages in this community and you can get the whole experience for free. Uh, Lindsay, you are a happy and active user of HelloTalk, correct? Yeah, I check it every morning as part of my uh, language learning hour. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is the best thing about it at the moment? So last time we talked about recording your voice and sending it to somebody else. Have you discovered something new? Oh, something new. Mm, I haven't discovered anything new, but I do like the doodles. I think that's really cool, especially at the moment with Korean, because I could very easily kind of try and, uh, you know, write with, with my finger as well as using the, the sort of typing keyboard as well. So I can... I can use that, which is fun. Oh, like wow. That. You are practicing the other script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. I hadn't even thought about that. I always thought you like drawing pictures of flowers. But here she oh. is doing way more useful things all along. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, no flowers. <laughs> no, no flowers. No matter which language you're learning, no matter which script the language is in, could be Cyrillic, it could be Chinese, it could be Kanji or what's the other one? Katakana. Um, it or it could be Korean, or it could be not Asian and have a script <laughs> that that I can't I can't think of right now. So even if you're as ignorant as I am about different languages, script Hello Talk is where you can turn to learn from real people. It's used by many many language experts and polyglots dun, 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 that we trust to know what they're talking about. People like Benny Lewis, people like Shannon Kennedy, and people like Kirsten Cable and Lindsay. Dow. We have been learning languages between us for decades and we I find that rarely has something this cool come along. And I remember language learning in the 90s. In the 90s. Um, and I think I've told this story before. I was learning English and in those days it was really hard to find anybody to practice with because I'm from a tiny village in Germany and this is before the internet was you know was here to kind of change literally change the world for us um and and make you know genuinely world world changing as opposed to circumstance changing um it's it's brought everything so much closer to each other but in in those days I had I didn't hear anything in English except for pop music that I had to like 
get on a bus and uh, like make time to really travel somewhere um, and then spend a good amount of money because CDs were really expensive. And so all my pocket money went on like CDs and that was all I ever heard in foreign languages. And then maybe you'd hear somebody on the television, but where I lived, things were dubbed, not subtitled. So you wouldn't hear a lot in a foreign language. And what I wouldn't have given to speak to somebody who actually spoke English. I remember going on school exchange and that being an amazing thing because that was a real English person. Um, these days, literally, what you do is you go to fluentlanguage.co.uk slash hello talk and you're right there and you're getting more than you ever ever imagined possible so those that that you know show little 90s kirsten show that 90s kid what language learning can be like in the i don't know in this day and age in the modern day and age it works on android and it works on the iphone and they have also given us a special deal so here's what happens when you've downloaded your app Simply pop the code fluent language, all one word, into the message Hello Talk team box, and you're going to receive a three month pro membership on us. There's unlimited translation, special learning functions, and your notes feature expands to a thousand words. So you can you can really go into detail and you can write that love letter to I don't know, uh <laughs> to Giacomo in Italy who looks extremely sexy. <laughs> whatever and and really it's you know for for me it's never been that easy to reach out to people and practice a language even casually it used to be this really big thing yeah it's so much more casual with hello talk it's good for that it's it's definitely good for that so make use of your phone use your phone for language learning and you only need one app for that and that is fluentlanguage.co.uk slash hello talk takes you straight to the website if, where you can take a choice of App Store or Google Play and that's all you need to do. Enjoy the show and thank you so much to Hello Talk. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 35 of the Creative Language Learning Podcast. As always, we're here for you to talk about languages and how to learn languages and what difference it makes in your life when you learn a new language. And I'm my name is Kirsten Cable and I'm here with Lindsay Dow. Hey Lindsay. Hello. Hello. This might have been the most radio introduction I have ever done. It was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and we'll go to the news in half an hour in terms of traffic. I don't know. <laughs> oh, how are you doing, Lindsay? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very, very well. I got back from uh, France. I've been in France for about sort of 10, 11 days or so. So I got back on uh, a couple of, couple of days ago. So back to work now, back mm -hmm. to normal. What were you yeah. doing in France? Just on holiday? I was working. No, I was not on holiday. Definitely not on holiday. <laughs> I was working um, at a residential school um, with the Open University, which was a lot of fun. A residential school? What is that like? So, because, I mean, I did this school myself a few years ago. So because it's um, kind of distance learning, self-study, um, when you're on the sort of second level of, of language studies, for French or Spanish or German, you get a residential school and you go away to France, Spain or Germany for a week and um, that's, you just speak as much as possible in the target language. 
So it's really good. There's like, there's classes with your tutor and then you have uh, kind of visits. You go into the town and you visit really cool stuff like the cinema club and art workshops and the sort of mayor's office, all of this cool stuff. And then you watch films in the evening. Um, oh, there's also options as well for like grammar and culture options as well, sort of before before dinner time. So there's so much, so much for the students. I wasn't doing any of that stuff. I was like putting signs up and making lists and, and names, <laughs> keeping track of everyone. Mm -hmm. Were you teaching, <laughs> yeah. or is it no, no? Is it a is it a taught program so that you actually get French lessons, or is it just focused on using your language? And how do people? How do you think, do, do, do people, are they instructed to take notes, etc., from what they learn? So, or is it just it's, free it's spirit? A, no, so it's organised and the students have a timetable and then um, they, they'll have their tutor that's, that's kind of assigned to them for the week. And in the morning sessions, they're with that tutor. Mm -hmm. And then in the afternoons, early in the week, they go into the town to do some visits to local organisations and things. And then there's optional sessions after that for extra grammar or culture. And then in the evening, there's films and there's kind of, you know, exam prep and things like this. And, uh, and, and then kind of towards the end of the week, they also, the students work on a presentation as well, which is really fun. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think yeah. presentations are a huge. We, we, may, we may have talked about that when we did tips of the week in one of our shows. Presentations are such a great way to start speaking and have a topic and, you know, work around a specific thing. I remember you talking about it in, as you were in the Add One Challenge. Yes, I think it was, yeah, it was, I, I did it with um, my kind of student, like my kind of study group in the Add One Challenge. We talked about kind of a topic and we prepared a few sentences and things yeah yeah I think yeah. that's really cool that's really cool I think generally it's such a it's such a wonderful thing to be doing and I've been trying to get my students to do that for ages but I think there is a level of self-consciousness and also because I work with people who are really quite busy in their in their mm -hmm. life I I can't you know it's difficult to get them to commit the extra kind of hour or two that they feel it would be to to do that yeah it's it's yeah it's a commitment if you if you want to have that regular thing and you want to make it worth it it is a commitment but i think with something like that like if you wanted to find like a language exchange partner to to kind of prepare a few sentences for or something once you've made that commitment and once you've got it scheduled and especially with someone else you've got that accountability because someone else is going to be there waiting for you mm. then i think it's um it, it makes it a lot easier than if you were just to say yep yeah, i'm going to do an hour of, of studying tonight that's easier to get out of because there's no one else there waiting for you at that appointed time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And once once you get started, it just becomes part of your routine. Yeah, very true. Very right. Like anything, right? Yeah. Like anything. That's that's really true. I um I feel like I've what have I done while you were away? Um, you I'm... spoke to Alex, our guest for today. I spoke to Alex, our guest yeah. for today. Oh yeah, we have such a wonderful topic going today. I'm really. Oh, it, it's even though I'm completely no, I'm not completely changing my mind, but I'm officially going to admit um, a, a mind change, which is always fun, right? Um, I also held a webinar with Shannon from Eurolinguist, mm. and I submitted and this sort of marginally on topic. I submitted my topic for the talk I'm giving at the Polyglot Gathering in Berlin, which is happening just two months from now. Ah, so 
with, you know, we've already mentioned Alex, so I think it's time to go into our topic for the show, which is about, hmm, it's about, I don't know how wide we should go. So I'm just going to start, I guess, by telling you where I'm coming from and um, kind of the, the different aspects of, of what we should, I think, talk about. And there are several, really. So our topic for the show is dun-dun-dun. What is a polyglot and should you be a polyglot? And there are several aspects to this that, that I kind of perceive. There's the kind of what does it mean? What does polyglot actually mean or what does it signify, etc. And what's what's happened to the word? Then there is, is that a desirable thing? Is that something that we want to happen on the internet in language learning, etc.? Um, and then there's kind of a... How can we get the best out of the fact that there is a, a real polyglot world? So if you are listening now, maybe early on in the show, or this might be your first show, first of all, welcome. And secondly, um, the you, you'll find out a lot in this show about the world of polyglotism-ism. Um, and, and what that means and how it's made, how it's really had an impact on Lindsay and me in terms of what we, what we do and how we talk about languages online um, and how I think it's changing the world in a way for for a certain small group of people I hate it when um, I generally hate it when something says it's life-changing or world-changing because usually what it means is it changes like one person's world not everybody's um, and it changes people's circumstances not their lives you know things like the x factor that tv show um, people call it life-changing but it's not because usually within six months to six years most people are not back where they started, but in a similar kind of place and in a similar state of happiness. So it's more circumstances changing. Um, so who who won the first X Factor? Do you know? Haven't a clue. Don't know. I do know, which is weird. Steve Brookstein. Who is Take that? you to a pub quiz and I'll I'll score you a, a point with that. Yeah, you will. Oh wow. <laughs> I know I know several people who became big stars as a result of the X Factor or as a result of but you're you know, right. similar it's, shows. But you're right. It's not it's not um it's not permanent, is it, with, no. <laughs> with an X Factor win? I don't know. And there's something about the expression life changing that you know it, it makes you it makes you feel a bit like you can go back to the shop and completely rewrite everything and that is just not what happens. And that's not what should mm. happen. So I like I like reframing it or rephrasing it in my head to circumstances changing, which is much more accurate. Cool. Makes so sense. with that out of the way <laughs> um, <laughs> Lindsay, I know that you've got a YouTube video that is entitled What is a Polyglot? So I think I would like to hand over to you to give us an introduction of what you what you found out as you were making that video. Oh, okay. Actually, that's, I'm glad you said that because I have a confession to make about that video, right? Oh. So I made that video with a very different script in probably kind of March or April last year. And I, I, some, every now and then I'll go through, I'll make a sort of batch load of, of videos. I'll film a, a batch of videos. And, um, and that was one of them. And then I went to the Polyglot Gathering in Berlin. And I went to a talk by Richard Simcock. The video hadn't been published, right? I went to this talk by Richard Simcock and he said um, of what he thought a polyglot was and how he thought the word was changing. And I went back and I thought, you know what? Actually, I really, really agree with that point. And it's, 
I, I really do. And I went back and I completely rewrote that video and rewrote that script. And it was, it ended up being something completely different to what I originally planned it to be. Um, and I still agree with the, the kind of take two, version two, if you like, um, in terms of, of what I say in that video. And I think as as we'll hear from Alex as well, that, that sort of meaning of that word has, has changed in a sense as it's been used as... I think it's perhaps because it's a nice kind of word that a few years ago, perhaps, and, and still now to a lot of people, I think, doesn't mean anything. It's mm-hmm. like, what, what's a polyglot? What is that? You've made that word up, right? And I didn't know what this word was a few years ago. And I think that it's now been taken because it, of its sort of unknownness to, to many people to me. Oh, we can we can have that word and we can take it and make it our own. I think I feel like that is something that has happened with this word. Yeah, um, sort of like a blank canvas. I feel that way. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you go with something like language learner, language lover, um, language enthusiast, all of these are great terms, but they, they, they can mean slightly different things. Um, you know, when do you finish learning a language? Does, you know, how long are you a language learner? When you know, if you're a language enthusiast, do you also learn foreign languages or do you just find them interesting? And, you know, so I feel like there are these differences with these other terms that you could use. And so polyglot kind of comes and fills this gap quite nicely for where definitely where, where I am. And I think where you are as well, Kirsten, in, in that it's and many people I'm sure that are listening who, who can relate to this feeling of just really enjoying the process of studying languages mm-hmm. and using them to communicate with new people from around the world and understand new cultures and 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 kind of learn about the world through language and for me that's what the word means in a nutshell (laughs) similar to you and this is kind of a a really good representation of how polyglotism is evolving so quickly around us and is genuinely changing not its meaning, but it's changing our associations. It's changing the word. Is we're basically seeing language in the making, which is amazing, um, because the world is changing as people's ways of connecting with it, the way people's way of using it, and people making it their own is changing. So I wrote a blog article, in, and I've just looked at it. It's it's from May twenty fourteen. So this is this is nearly two years ago, and I wrote. My God, I don't like the word polyglot. I, and it took me about two months to write this article alone because I tried to be balanced and I tried to be, um, you know, I, I definitely came down on the negative side of it, but I did think it through as much as I could. And I was like, why does this bother me so much? And there is the there was the idea that at the time, the word polyglot wasn't attached to, say, events. It wasn't attached quite as much to the idea of joy in language learning, the way that you just described it. I think that's really important. And it, 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 I saw it on the internet attached to people making it all about the poly aspect, poly meaning many, um, and basically making it about numbers and about bragging and about 
attacking other people and being elitist and that bothered me so much and I kind of also felt like well you're taking my you're taking my pretty languages you're taking you know like something not just mine everybody's you know you're taking language which is this joyful beautiful thing and making it into what a competition and I was I just reacted like allergically to it it really 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 bothered me um and so I kind of went out and said look if you're going to call yourself a polyglot I don't you know like I I'm not a fan of that because it sounds elitist to me it sounds like you're just there to acquire languages for the sake of being able to say you speak 5 10 8 12 whatever and it doesn't feel right but f since maybe for the past year or if not a little bit more um, this article has always been divisive, of course. Um, don't know whether I meant it to be, but it was just me going, nah! um, what What's been happening is that the, the community of polyglots really has been changing. And it's exactly like you say, there's, there's been events, there has been um, people who are out and actually trying to promote the joy of language learning rather than the five secrets of this and that and making it into a you know a club um and as such i was i was overjoyed to be able to talk to alex so we keep we keep talking about alex <laughs> so um i <laughs> think we need, to, we need to be more specific yeah um <laughs> alex is and we're going to introduce him I'll, i've got a little bit of intro with him um while he's there as well is i'm just gonna say this and he it was these are his own words he's a full time polyglot meaning that's his job that's what he considers his job i really really i was amazed by that i was so glad he did that as well because it's such a great in for kind of talking about where that really comes from um so alex rawlings his website is rawlangs.com is he has been very media present and is often cited as a really inspiring person who does speak a very large number of languages um, very large, not in the hundreds, um, but he, he could speak quite a few. And he came along and popped into the podcast and chatted to me about the meaning of this polyglot word and what's what's happened to it, really. So let's have a listen to Alex and see where the world has got to. Hello. Hello. <laughs> where are you at right now? I am in Valencia in Spain, which is where I've been for the last couple of months, enjoying the nice weather and getting my Spanish back to where I think it should be. Yes. Ah, so when did you, how long have you learned Spanish? What is what it should be, well, I guess, is I'm, my question. <laughs> well, what is what it should be? I did Spanish at school. Um, I really liked Spanish at school as well. And there was kind of this uh, crossroads moment where I nearly took Spanish over German at university. But then, I don't know what happened, German was what I put on the application paper. But basically, um, after I left school, I didn't really speak Spanish at all until about now. So uh, I really wanted to just kind of re revive my Spanish, get back into it and um, get used to speaking it again. Because I felt a bit uncomfortable using Spanish after a long time. And I didn't really like that because it used to be one of my best languages. So um, that, basically. Mm -hmm. So... You are very, very comfortable, I guess, with being introduced with, this is Alex, he speaks Lord knows how many languages. Uh, he is a polyglot person. How do you feel about that? <laughs> um, I've got used to it. 
Okay, I guess we can talk about this a little bit more detail as we go on. I've got used to being talked about like that. I have to admit, uh, at the beginning when this whole thing started and when I won the award of Britain's most multilingual student, I didn't really know what a polyglot was. All right. So let's start with multilingual student. That was I. That was a, a student competition. Your uni kind of got in touch with you. Uh, no, it was a competition ran by Harper Collins, which is the publishers uh, that make Collins dictionaries and all that kind of thing. Um, right. I can't remember how I found it. I think I was planning my year abroad at university, and this advert popped up somewhere saying, "Are you Britain's most multilingual student? If you are, you can win an iPad." And I thought I'd like an iPad, so I entered the competition. And one thing led to another, and I won, and I got the iPad. Wow! And what happened next? Because now you're, <laughs> you're making, you, you have graduated, right? Congratulations! Yeah, I finished um, in 2018. Mm -hmm. And since then, you've been a full-time kind of language guru, dude. Yeah, I've kind of been a full-time language guru, dude. Some people might say full-time polyglot since then. I've lived in. I started off living in Hungary where I at first had a job teaching English in a language school, but that didn't last very long. And I moved onto the internet and had a lot more freedom and also started you know, running workshops with Richard Simcott and also working on the annual Polyglot Conference event. Mm -hmm. So I've got, okay, I've got a kind of well, open confession. Everybody kind of knows this already. Um, and I love, obviously, this is partly why I wanted to come back come back to the topic of polyglots on the podcast. But the way you say po full-time polyglot initially makes me go, that's not a job? What? What are you talking <laughs> about? And, it, you know, it's kind of, I guess, not a job. But equally, until, what, 10 years ago, polyglot wasn't even really a thing that anybody would, would ever want to be, whether it be a job or not. Is that right? Mm. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, what is a full-time polyglot? It's a very good question. Ten years ago, people would have said, what is a podcast? So I guess you know, things move on very quickly. Um, I don't really know. What do I do? I mean, I run my blog. I teach intensive language courses over Skype. I learn languages myself. I mean, that's just kind of what I'm doing all the time. Um, there's a lot of different jobs involved in, in my work nowadays, which I guess is the case for a lot of people these days with the internet. So I guess polyglot is just kind of the shorthand form for everything I do, which really is just kind of everything to do with languages. But, you know, the reason why I like the word polyglot and why I've started using it and, you know, um, actively use it as part of the events that I organize is because for me, it, it's, it, what it really means is that you're not focused on just one language. You're focused on multiple languages and you have the aspiration of learning multiple languages in the future. Oh, I understand. Okay, so it's almost, you kind of think of it as aspiration. Okay, so I have a, I have a very difficult relationship with the word polyglot, which is kind of why I wanted to talk to you, because you're a full-time polyglot, which is fancy. <laughs> um, and I guess I am too, in a way. Like, I write a language blog, I teach languages, I learn languages... I, I never think of myself that way. And part of the reason was that, that I was never be able, was never able to make friends with this, this sort of description was that I looked around me and I'm not a YouTube kind of girl, so I don't really go on YouTube very much, but I did, once I, when I started looking around, YouTube in particular was very uh, demonstrative. There were lots of people um, kind of showing what they can do and they're obviously it has a kind of 
nature of the comments as well but I also looked around and saw different Facebook groups etc and one thing that I saw kind of paraded around there that really bothered me all the time and which made me you know write an article that that was kind of called stop playing the polyglot game which I've really expressed what I believed at the time basically of saying this seems to be a pissing contest excuse me and <laughs> you're basically carrying a number a very arbitrary number of languages as this badge of honor where you then get into the point where you're trying to where you're asserting your uh, superiority or whatever over another person just because what that because they speak english only and then people started debating about well you how many languages do you have to speak to become a polyglot and it became this real badge of honor and i felt it extremely something between dangerous and just making me sad to desire a badge of honor that, that is so meaningless yeah that makes a lot of sense and certainly I understand what you're talking about and I I mean I think I felt the same way at some point I mean before that co I won that competition I think I, I mean I hadn't seen a lot of people's videos equally I'm not really a YouTube kind of person I think I came across Richard Simcott's video where he speaks 16 languages once and I kind of thought wow that's cool and then I thought why would anyone ever make a video where they show all that like what, what is the point what goes through your head where you just sit down in front of the camera and just just talk like that for you know 15 minutes however many however long it was in all those languages and then I saw all the comments and stuff and I thought wow this is a nasty group of people that watch that mm -hmm. so that was my only real exposure to it and I saw a couple of other videos and I just kind of thought okay you're clearly trying to be in competition with someone and I wasn't interested at all. Competition um, is a really good word there. I think competition is is what I latched on to as well that made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say that there used to be a lot of competition, kind of maybe five years ago. I don't really know. Before I really was involved in any of this stuff, that's what I've heard, that it was not a very nice environment. It was a lot of the things that you're describing. It was, and you know, and especially the kind of people who are now figureheads in this community, um, especially were people that were driving some of that competition. Like, you know, um, people used to say there were arguments between Benny and Steve Kaufman, Luca, uh -huh. all these people used to just kind of have these wars on Facebook and I mean who really has time for that we have enough conflict in our real lives why would we want to have all of that on the internet too right yeah exactly it's, it had a real kind of uncomfortable soap opera we're all getting distracted from what the point is feel which is crazy right when when actually what we're talking about is language learning which is Absolutely. about connecting with each other and it's about you know like I don't know it's about like all the opposite that of that so I guess, okay, so I'm, I'm glad I'm not completely insane and that you felt that too. Yeah, now, I what... did feel that. And I think I made a very conscious decision as well in the early ages, mm -hmm. well, early ages, the first year of writing. <laughs> early ages, three years ago. <laughs> we're yeah, we're talking about the blink of an eye. Yeah. But the first kind of year of my writing my blog, I never used the word polyglot once. Mm -hmm. And if you go through all of my um, articles, you won't see it appear anywhere. Okay, but then there was a big change for me. Uh, which was the first conference in Budapest. Ah. And that was kind of the first time where I really started to feel comfortable using the word polyglot. So why you know, did you using even go? It as a label. Sorry? Why did you even go? Why did I go? I don't know. Uh, Richard asked me and I liked <laughs> All <it>. right. <laughs> I'd met Richard at a EU conference in Italy that we'd both been invited to before I met anyone else. And um, we just kind of chatted that whole day and he mentioned he was running this conference. Then a few 
months later, he was like, would you like to come and speak? So I thought, okay, why not? This could be fun. Budapest is an interesting city. I've never been. But I think what changed was is that I met the people that called themselves polyglots. And, you know, I made a lot of friendships on that day. It was kind mm-hmm. of this really exciting weekend in which all these people came together and we all met under this word polyglot. And from that conference, of course, so many people have gone out and have done so many amazing things. So many kind of big let's call them community projects started on that weekend if you like like the have one challenge like all sorts of blogs started directly from that so it all kind of came from this word and then i kind of felt like well the atmosphere that i experienced at this conference wasn't the competitiveness mm-hmm. that i found on the internet it wasn't the pissing contest as you called it it was just people who like languages getting together and you know being very encouraging and supportive and just sharing the passion i thought well if that's what being a polyglot is then i'm in yeah, and I can completely, I completely feel that. And I'm going to the Polyglot Conference this year. So the community has has changed enough to, you know, make me change my mind, I suppose. And I'm quite stubborn. But equally to, to you, it's the same thing. It's once the personal connections started reaching out, this is how I feel as well, that the community has changed, has kind of turned a little bit. And... So if we're thinking there was some offline magic that came into the online world, I guess that's, that's, Mm. would, would you, would you say that's what changed? Um, I guess that's one way of looking at it. For me, I think what it is, is that people just kind of crawl out from behind the computer screens and go, hi, and that's all it takes. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not just the offline conference, you know, the physical conference that made that happen. There's a couple of other things that changed. YouTube changed a lot of its rules regarding usernames, which meant that people were no longer anonymous when they were trolling, which meant that trolling went down. Uh Uh, Forums stopped being so heavily used. I mean, the How to Learn Any Language forum is not what it used to be. I've actually never really used it much, but I know about it existing. People started using Facebook more, and on Facebook, again, you can't be anonymous. So that kind of, well, the anonymity and the animosity of people trolling, of people being aggressive, did really go down very, very quickly. And then, of course, once people start meeting in real life, once people's real reputations kind of get uh, tangled up with what they say, then people just become a lot more human. I don't know if you've noticed this as well over the internet, but the internet has become a nicer place. Yeah, I think I think that's very, that's very well observed, and it does kind of feel that way. I mean, I've not been... I just never thought about language learning on the internet, blogging about language, until I kind of found myself not jobless, but not wanting to go back to my old job, which was, you know, very travel heavy and loved it and stuff but sort of wanting kind of the same feelings but in some other way and I was basically I was kind of going oh what am I going to do uh going to teach German got to write about something to do with languages I've got lots of rants stored up about the English people let's just (laughs) rant them all out um and then looked around me and went oh my god language blogging world what the heck um and that's really you know that's kind of what happened but I agree that this is this is four years ago and it really has changed so perhaps you're right perhaps it's there's a genuine aspect of having your having your real name involved in in something like that and it's a shame Lindsay can't kind of um, contribute and directly talk to you today uh, sorry Lindsay elle est en France um, because obviously she is a she is much more of a YouTuber and has also mm. you know seen some of what that community is like so so if you're looking at the world as it is now, one of the things that 
you said really clearly is the first year you were blogging you didn't say polyglot at all and then you started going oh i'm alex i want to learn lots of languages in the future i already know a few now i'm a polyglot Da-da. did anything change when you started doing that not an enormous amount changed when i started doing that i think other changes were going on at the same time so more people were starting to identify with the polyglot label and because of that, more people were brought towards my blog. But one of the challenges, of course, that using a label like the word polyglot does bring with it, and this is something that I think people like you and me and all bloggers out there have to think about, is that by forming a community of people that call themselves polyglots, we do have to be careful that we don't become too insular with what mm-hmm. we say, that we don't uh, focus too much on people that we're already reaching. Um, I do know that there are a lot of people out there who go, well, I'm not a polyglot. I'm just kind of interested in learning French and, you know, maybe a few words of Italian. And for me, that's not what's important. If you're interested in languages and really interested in languages, like more than just someone who wants to learn a few phrases, then you can call yourself a polyglot. Because for me, that's what this word means now. It's someone who likes languages and who would enjoy the events that we organize and would also enjoy things that are out there on blogs and podcasts and so on so Mm, I still don't I still don't use it because it feels too I feel language learner has that openness so I I often I think I use language learner but what's a language learner Kirsten pretty much all of us isn't it yeah there's something I don't know there's something about (laughs) the word language learner it sounds a little bit scientific don't you think like the Mm. language learners gather the prey like I don't know (laughs) (laughs) Are you a language learner for life or are you just a language learner while you're learning the language then you stop being a language learner? Oh, forever and ever. Yeah, because, you know, if you're a language learner forever, then I think the word polyglot fits a bit better, personally. Yes, I mean, I guess the word polyglot has something that the language learner doesn't, which is that kind of passion and the ambition. Mm. Um, But I have met... But I, I still find it so close and especially it's close to that kind of internet community and we all know like when I go to my Welsh class in Preston Mm. there's this guy there who doesn't really know how the internet works speaks Romanian German French English and is you know in my Welsh class so he's learning Welsh like I am and Mm. I would you know I could say to him oh wow you're a real polyglot but he wouldn't be aware that there is that that would kind of imply a community. Right. So the I community think, is still really fragile. The community is still really fragile. Um, does the community also own the word polyglot? I mean, there are pen- plenty of polyglots out there, like you've just said, who have no idea about what's going on, and that wouldn't make them any less good at languages than they are. Uh, polyglots have also existed for a lot longer than the YouTube, and the word has, has also existed for a very long time. So I guess this is another question, you know, does... Does being a part of that community make you a polyglot? And are you not a polyglot if you're not a part of that community? I'd say no. I think it's it's kind of two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a funny one. I, I actually use, to describe myself, I, I kind of stray into linguist. But that is because I genuinely, you know, did linguistics and every and read the linguistics stuff and get really excited about it. But I, yeah. I differentiate that and say that is not what my blog is about. My blog is about the process of language learning and the mm. joy of language learning. Yeah, I think we've got to be careful with the word linguist as well because a lot of people use it just to mean someone that learns languages. And, of course, that does a great disservice to people that do study linguistics and are genuine linguists, which is yeah. quite a different field. 
Of course, you don't have to be a linguist to be a polyglot or even a language learner. You know, it's totally unrelated, in my opinion. So, one question for you: Why is it the polyglot conference and not the language conference? <laughs> why is it the polyglot conference? Because I was just thinking, why is it? You know, like if you had a biology conference, you could just call it the biology conference. Hmm, that's a very good question. You know what? I've never thought about that. That is one that I guess you'd have to ask Richard. But of course. You know, there is a history to this community. It goes back a couple of years now, and it's always seen itself as the polyglots and the polyglot community. I mean, Richard is the guy who founded the conference, and I guess he liked the word. So uh, maybe that's <laughs> as simple as that. Well, thank you very much, Richard, who probably isn't listening, but really should. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I think the thing is, though, is this: what, what the realization that I came to with this whole polyglot thing is that you know, it, it is what you make it. And mm -hmm. if you want it to just be people on the internet mindlessly pretending to learn languages to get one up over other people that they've never met, that can be what it is. But if you want it to be something really, really good and to represent things that you believe in and that you feel passionate about, I think you have to claim the word. And it's a very, very useful word for meeting other people with similar interests, for promoting language learning worldwide. It's definitely a shorthand for all of the things that we've talked about basically in the last 20 minutes. And I think that's why... I've been drawn to it. I've, I've decided that I want to claim it and I want to make polyglot mean what I understand it to mean, which is, you know, very, very broad. It's very accepting and, and just generally for people that really like languages. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. I find that I find that quite convincing. I also like that it doesn't imply that you're teaching a specific mm -hmm. way of doing things, which, you know, considering I'm, I teach German like like you do, actually. Um, mm -hmm. I think, <laughs> uh, I do, yeah. yeah, so, you know, teaching has a, has another different connotation and this isn't really about proclaiming any one method. It's just about getting together about a shared ambition, passion, and something that we think is fun. And I really like that. Okay. So I'm, I'm kind of convinced, I guess, as far as I was open to being convinced, <laughs> Good. <laughs> and and I definitely I I'm definitely convinced by the community. I really admire it. So you've mentioned your events a few times, and I really want you to have this space and kind of just talk about the the various things that are going on this year. And I've previously blogged about them a little bit as well, so we'll reference that in the show notes. But really, talk about what you organise, where you get involved, and who that kind of thing is for. Sure. Okay. Well. Uh, Richard and I organize the annual event called the Polyglot Conference, which is the largest event for polyglots in the world. In New York, we had 450 people coming who under that label. And the program, of course, was not anything about, you know, language learning methodology, how many languages I speak. We had a really nice broad program uh, about all sorts of different topics to do with languages. That was in October last year. In October this year, 2016, it's going to be held in Thessaloniki, Greece, in a beautiful venue right on the sea. And hopefully we're going to have some nice weather at the end of October there as well. That's going to be the 29th and 30th of October. There is currently a Facebook group that you can join. If you search Polyglot Conference Thessaloniki, you'll find it. And we'll be updating that with information as soon as we have it. And we're looking to have the website up and start registrations as soon as we can. Wonderful. This sounds really good. Well, I'm I'm really excited about all of those. So it's is Facebook kind of the best place to look? Polyglot conference and polyglot workshops, just type it into your Facebook search. 
probably. Okay. There's also the website, of course, polyglotconference.com. Uh, that is being updated onto the new website for next year. I think currently if you go on that, it's going to show you New York. And, of course, Polyglot Workshops to find out about the workshops as well. Polyglotworkshops.com, sorry. Okay, and your personal website is called? My personal website is rawlangs.com. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I've also got a Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rawlangs. Yeah, and I definitely recommend all of those as resources. Uh, first of all, thank you very much, Alex, for taking the time to kind of talk about the community. I think you've really added something to the debate there. I think it's really interesting to hear about it. Um, to be honest, from, from a guy as well, because uh, obviously there was something there was something in it as well at the time when I first looked at it. I was like, this is all just blokes showing off <laughs> you know being blokey and stuff I'm, I'm double not interested in that but you know to hear about it from somebody who was kind of in the middle of it like i said i really enjoyed it really enjoyed talking to you thank you thank you so much for the invitation kirsten it was a pleasure talking to you so that was alex rawlings uh thank you very much alex for coming on the show and chatting to me and already we i was saying in the interview what a shame that lindsay couldn't be there but lindsay was in france which is also very important um and technologically it's made this a little bit easier but i think we're going to sort this out in the future so that we can have both presenters on the interview really enjoyed that uh lindsay what did you think yes. i really really loved that i really really enjoyed um Hearing, hearing both of you kind of coming from, from originally, I think, different points, but, you know, to kind of hear, I, I loved it when Alex sort of questioned you and said, what's a language learner then, Kirsten? I, I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I also, I found it really cool how he said early on that he just, he didn't really get YouTube. He didn't get why people, well, why would you talk to a camera and, and say things in all these different languages? And I found that interesting because I, I guess I was the same and, you know, I, in terms of YouTube, I only really started with YouTube for, um, for, for, for kind of not to talk, you know, I was aware of, I was aware of people on YouTube that had made a video like that and had made videos of them speaking different languages and kind of and showing that and I never watched a whole one because I just got bored if I'm honest, like. I don't, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I made one um, quite early on when I started YouTube. There was like a, a thing posted on a Facebook group about, oh, let's see, um, let's make videos and see how many languages. And I was like, okay, maybe this is a good chance. I'll try and do it a bit differently. And I'd made one with tongue twisters, which was kind of fun. <laughs> um, so I just said a little bit in each language and, and then did a little, tried, attempted a little tongue twister um, just to make it a bit, bit different, you know? Um, but yeah, also like at the start, YouTube is, is to talk to a camera and to kind of just talk, well, just to talk to a camera in general is quite weird, but then to sort of just talk in different languages and, and share that with the world, I guess. Oh my God. I've However got, many years ago this is. I've got such a confession really to make. I've just realized, Lindsay. Okay. You know what okay. my first my first YouTube video was? Mm. I was speaking 25 was languages. <laughs> ah. I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. And and it was... But oh, no, no, don't be embarrassed. It just Sorry, came from such a different place. I don't know. I never even... The first time I got right. a comment on, on that video... So so um, I'm referring to a video I made for, for, for the European Day of Languages. And I basically... I read somewhere that Europe has 250 languages. And I just started like my language business. And I thought, oh, okay, 250. 
wonder if I can do a tenth of that. So I spend about three days trying to find people to tell me something to say in one of 25 languages and then try to pronounce it, which already was a lot of work. So at no point was I ever implying that I speak that many languages and it didn't even occur yes. to me. And I got so many comments from people going, oh, you don't really speak Russian. I can see that you're reading. It's like, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, made, I actually made a similar video for European Day of Languages a couple, two years ago now, I think. Yeah. And... um. I mean, I just thought, let's just make a, you know, kind of just promoting language learning, not trying to say, look at me, I speak all these languages. And uh, and I, I just Google, use Google Translate. I didn't speak all these languages. I just typed in a little sentence that was different for each language. And, and uh, so, of course, the grammar, the vocab was not correct. And then because it was Google Translate and then there's me trying to say these things in languages that I have no idea about. Of course, I'm not going to get it right. And people would come in the comments and be like, Oh, well, to be honest, I'm a native Polish speaker and your Polish was atrocious. And it's like, okay, thanks for that really, really constructive comment. I'm glad that you've spent a part of your day writing that to me. Thank you very much. That's very <laughs> kind of you. And it's like, seriously, are we going to do this? And, you know, in this video, I'd say, look, I don't speak these languages. I'm not claiming to. But even even in the first one where with the tongue twisters, right, where I... I sort of, you know, these are the languages that I've studied and I, I hate to say I speak X number of languages. I think we talked about this with Benny, right? Mm, I hate me, that conversation. Me too. It's, it's very, it, it, and this is kind of coming back to a lot of what's at the heart of this debate. We keep going, it's going into semantics, isn't it? It's what does that actually mean? Mm, mm. Yeah. And which is why when, which is why, it's in fact one reason why I love this sort of, transformation and this adoption if you like of the word polyglot with this much more open and accepting and and, and playful um joyful meaning if you like mm -hmm. that doesn't state you must speak x number of languages to x level by x date to call yourself a polyglot and when you do you must come to this office and we will award you with your polyglot certificate it's not that at all exactly and I so think... when people say things like i'm yeah, sorry, go on. I think that's how I think that's how I thought it was. I think that's you yes. know, like I think that was my Understandably first Understandably so. Yeah, and I think it felt that way and I I thought it was really interesting what Alex said and I wasn't aware of this about YouTube changing the way you can comment and about the debate moving to Facebook mm. where people use their real names and I, and I tell you what we both know this um you know, it's a factor of the internet where people use their real names where something is a bit closer to who they are. Um, they're a bit nicer. It's it's just harder to be mean. Yes, yes, it is. And you know when you can like hide your like a comment profile or something, and it's like seriously, if if you're hiding your comment profile, then you obviously know you're not saying nice things. So mm. what's the point? Um, but I think that was I, I wrote that down as one of my things that I found really interesting about the sort of YouTube changing. And I think he's right. I think the internet is becoming a nicer place because I think people who have gone through that phase of ah what is this how do i use this and and now it is constructive and 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 it's also he he said something um right towards the end which i've i've written down which was he said it is what you make it um mm. and this is exactly what i say in terms of social media because i talk a lot about social media and language learning and how it's so useful but it gets such a bad press something like um you know snapchat get such a bad press for oh teens are sexting on snapchat and oh isn't it terrible it's like seriously when when 
I was a teenager, people would be sending a really blurry photo of themselves half naked to someone else. <laughs> and then before that, people would probably send a telegram filled with filth to, you know what I mean? Long before that, of course. A telegram. <laughs> 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 I, think, I was yes. trying to go a bit further back but the, but the point is the point is that it is how you use this stuff and like yeah and with with social media I say this a lot that it can be very positive we have to use it in a positive way to prove that point and when he said it is what you make it you know language learning and, and the word polyglot it is what you make it and if we want it to mean something that is you speak x languages to x level and then you get your polyglot certificate then that's what it would be but if mm -hmm. actually we want this word to be something that describes something positive and and um and and, and, and i'm gonna say joyful it keeps coming back to me this word joyful yeah then that's what it will be I, I so agree and I I think it is such a positive move and I think this is part of the, you know, like kind of what I'm, I'm going to go back into this article and I'm going to say, hey, everybody who's reading this now, I, I've changed my mind here as a podcast, um, but because <sighs> uh, when Alex says it is what we make it, I mean, what a credit to... What a credit to people like Judith Meyer, to people like Richard Simcott, to people like Alex Rawlings himself, to people like Ellen Jovin for taking this polyglot kind of word badge developing community and actually making it into, you know, somewhat of a community and a way of connecting. And this is what I keep coming back to in this. It's, it's the joy you know, like we want to promote the joy of language learning. We don't want to promote this kind of idea, um, like what we talked about in a previous podcast, that you that, that makes you somehow distinguishes you as a genius. That is not what it is. It distinguishes you in lots of ways, and um, I think is is extremely desirable. However, it doesn't make you a better person, and it doesn't give you a certificate badge thing. But what this kind of keeps coming back to for me is community seeking you know yeah looking for a community and that's yeah. where youtube comes in and it's interesting that we keep kind of looking to youtube for the best and the worst of this i think i think it's just because with with language learning you can talk about language learning and you can you can write you can, i'm sorry i say talk i don't mean talk I'm, I'm trying to distinguish between that right now i mean write right so you can write about language learning on a blog for example and you can use the the internet you can use books everything to reference and to make sure that what you're writing is correct so you know you can say i speak this language and this is how you say this in this language and i've used a translator i've used a, a grammar book to, to get that correct and then I've got it correct. But when you're speaking, you could prepare a script, you could um, edit a video and you could do all these things and you could rehearse and, and kind of learn the script and everything. But essentially, you're still speaking and it's much more obvious to people if you're, um, you know, if, if you're if you're kind of uh, bluffing or, you know, if, if you're just like, uh, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? If, if you're if you're what, pretending um, lying to people. Yeah, yeah, if you're pretending. Mm. Absolutely, if you're pretending. That's that's the word. So it's much more obvious. Because why would you even why would you even do that? Like it's do you think you get some Well this is it, right? You'd think it you'd get some advantage out of it, but I don't even understand what the advantage would be. This is it, because you talked about earlier about the kind of peacocking aspect that that yeah. perhaps in the past may have well been associated with the word polyglot in the past, which I think now it, it I, I don't think it is now. Um but that would be it. So, so people perhaps, 
I'm not saying anyone has ever done this. I'm just saying this is, you know, the kind of thing that would have would have perhaps spawned from this this sort of more negative meaning of, of, of the word is negative interpretation in my opinion is that people then think oh well that's a positive label and that is something that I want to aspire to and so I'm I can do that too I'm just gonna I'm not gonna wait a few years to study the languages and to to actually work really hard to get to a good level in them I'm just gonna put myself out there now and I'm gonna learn a few phrases and and, and bluff it essentially mm. and then on YouTube it's very easy for people to go dislike leave a nasty comment and beat you down for that so people would bluff perhaps to think oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna get this label i want to be like that person and then you just can't hide when it's video whereas behind text you can do you see the point i'm trying to make here yeah yeah and i think perhaps that why it comes that's that would be why it comes back and back to youtube yes and i think youtube also has it's it's like um it i i'm reminded of Benny Lewis when we talked to him and he was very um you know he was very YouTube-y he was very I was I was surprised at how much that that, that guy refers to YouTube because to me YouTube is is just not really mm. a big factor and I don't spend a lot of time on there so it's just like but in the language learning community it does keep coming back to that and part of it is I think because you know like it it's it's how we demonstrate it's how we look to connect and speaking to a camera is probably the same, maybe there's something to the fact that speaking a foreign language for, you know, at an early stage, especially is quite scary. And like, um, no, mm. not just an early stage, because if I have to speak French, like instantly right now, directly after the switch is going to be scary for me. To be honest, even speaking mm. German to me is scary and makes me feel a bit fish out of water as soon as I am somewhere where I sound different. And I'm a native language. Mm. You know, like if you go to Scotland, you might feel self-conscious, etc. So, it's... if I go north of Derby, I feel <laughs> self-conscious speaking. I feel like, oh, people are going to think, who's this posh southern girl? Because of my voice. It's like, no, seriously, don't you know, think that about me. <laughs> yeah. So I think speaking is perhaps, you know, it's self-conscious, it's vulnerable, and perhaps just throwing that out there as an idea. Don't know. Um, speaking into a camera in a way, at the same time is even scarier, because you haven't even got a person that you're talking to, but at the same time takes a little bit of the fear away because the camera isn't reacting to you at that point. It's like you're talking okay, to so a wall. Okay, so here's the thing. I think it's scary in a different way. So many mm -hmm. people say things like, oh, I, I would love to, I don't know, I'd love to start a language blog or I'd love to teach online, but... I don't want to do video. I don't want to do YouTube. So people email me and, and say things like this. And I say, oh, it's, it's fine. That's totally fine. You know, I'm camera shy or the camera doesn't like me. You hear these things all the time, don't you? Camera yes. shy is yes. always, always thrown I haven't out. got the brain for languages and, and camera shy. Oh, oh, no, no. Not not so much the brain for languages. Just in terms, I'm talking about the camera here. So people will say, I'm camera shy, I'm camera shy. And it's like, okay, that's fine. That's totally fine. So there's that fear of when it comes to a camera. So it's more scary in that sense for some people. But only for some people. I mean, for me, the reason why I enjoy making videos is because I have... I, I did drama at school, right? Mm -hmm. My A-levels, I did French, Spanish and drama. So, and, and throughout my, my sort of childhood, I went to drama club extra mm -hmm. from, from school. You know, extracurricular, if you like. And so this kind of performing side was always something that um, was a part of my life for a long time. And so 
YouTube, using YouTube and using video kind of allows me to do that. And it's quite natural for me because I've done that in the past out of out of will, not out of necessity or having to show myself as being able to speak X number of languages or whatever. Right. I've done that out of out of will. So for me, it's very natural to do YouTube to do video and then to kind of talk in front of a camera and to, to look into the lens and all of that stuff but for a lot of people and people i filmed as well it's like oh wow camera oh this is almost more scary than speaking to a person whereas i don't know in many ways i find it easier so it's that is it so interesting varies. because i have um a, a similar background at least as in um being a person who really enjoys performing and has a kind of you know like I've, i did drama in school and i do my singing etc um i i actually like being a member of the choir and like being in the background but i still love performing love being out there so what you're saying there i'm kind of drawing all that together um um as we're speaking i'm drawing the biggest doodle mind map um and the performing kind of is like YouTube has the light and dark side of, of being extremely great for community building, but being also kind of mean. The mm -hmm. performing aspect has got this amazing light and dark side of, on the one hand, overcoming the fear, but then on the other hand, descending into bragging potential. Ah, okay, yes. This is the other thing, right? Just because someone is confident enough or able to in terms of equipment and, and technology or has the um, desire to make a video to share their language skills be that YouTube or anywhere else that doesn't mean that they are necessarily the best person that speaks those languages in the world right so I'm, I'm talking about learners here not native speakers right so I as as doing what I do as a language blogger and someone that makes video about language, etc. That makes me someone that is willing to share my journey, my experiences, and to, to, I hope, inspire and encourage others. That's something I really aim to do in my business. But that is no way make me the best language learner in the world. And for a second, I would not ever, ever think that. Because there are so many people, we talked about this with Benny, right? About people you admire and stuff. So many people I admire for so many different things. And when it comes to language learning, those people may not be the people that have a video on YouTube that has a million views. Just a thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's, that's, that's extremely significant. And this kind of makes me think of um, the difference between YouTube and, and, and how, you know, like, it makes me think back to how this community changed, etc. Because it did change. It did change. It's, and you, I mean, I don't know. You can't, you know, maybe some people's perception is different. But I definitely perceive, feel that there has been a real change to a kind of um, more supportive... Um, you know, made the, making the world a nicer place. Um, and I think maybe you've got a real good point there where the events brought... YouTube doesn't do that thing that an event does where it actually brings you face-to-face -face with the people that you have this thing in common with. Mm. And taking people... I think taking people offline and connecting them um, and perhaps, you know, perhaps even starting a podcast like, like this one, you know, and just having more conversations about it um, and, and, and showing more of what's behind a video like that 
instead of making more how to, you know, how to be as amazing as, as I am or how to be amazing, full stop, instead just kind of go, yeah, you know, sometimes it sucks, sometimes I suck, um, doesn't matter, you know, just keep going. I think that has has really contributed that that you know like it's it's all become a little bit more you know the the, the big polyglots or whatever it's become a bit more three dimensional and I appreciate that so so much and it's like you say it's, you know it's become more about you know this has made this has taken a pedestal away that a very unintentional pedestal that I think was there for a little bit um and because because no one well maybe some people um not not in language learning i'm talking here but just in general no one puts themselves on a pedestal normally it's normally other people that do that for them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so when you have a community like the polyglot community that is very i think encouraging and inspiring and supportive of each other as, as a kind of collective and on an individual basis, then you you take away that sort of pedestal building and and you know there can still be people that are um, more noticeable or whatever, but in in essence everyone is is equal and everyone should be equal regardless of whether or not you have a blog or a YouTube channel or regardless of how many languages you speak because if you love language and this was this was something Alex said right he said if you like languages and you enjoy events and you you just want to learn loads of languages then you are a polyglot and and you know you should you should use this word and i i i'll be honest with you i still find it hard to say um i'm a polyglot that was going to be a que- that was going to be one of my questions like do you do you ever go hello my name is lindsay i'm because alex saying no hello my name is alex rollings and i'm a full-time polyglot i was like <gasps> What? Right. <laughs> that was my first see, reaction, but okay, he brought me so, round to it. He really did. Well done, Alex. Yeah. yeah, see, I feel like this is different, right? So with Alex, everything that Alex does um, in terms of polyglot um, um, conference and workshops and everything like that, right? He he is a full-time polyglot. He is kind of promoting and inspiring and encouraging and sharing um, his his language journey and and his language learning for for that purpose. Whereas I, 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 I hate having to say, when people say, in terms of business, when people say like, oh, what do you do? I'll, I'll say, I'm a language tutor. Or, and then if they ask, I say, I'm an online language tutor. And I try and keep it brief because people don't, people don't understand if you then say, oh, and I'm a blogger and I make videos. You'll go, all right. And then people just think, well, how, first of all, they think, how do you make money? That's the blogger, what? <laughs> you know, like, what? So you kind of, it's, it's really hard to say what you do in like one word. So I appreciate actually that Alex uses that word to sort of describe what he does, just to kind of sum it up in one word. But the reason that I, I still find it hard to say that about myself, and I can say it about other people, but not very often, but um, but I find it hard to, to call myself polyglot because... I it's kind of something like it's something still that is not necessarily understood. So within a within the, the polyglot community, people would people will, will call me a polyglot, perhaps, right? And that's mm-hmm. fine. Have no issue with that. But if I go outside of that and I say to people, "Hi, I'm Lindsay. I'm a polyglot." To someone who doesn't care about language learning, then they'll be like, "What? What? 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 What now? What are you? What? I don't understand." And so then I have to explain anyway. So I just wouldn't use the word because... And that's where it kind of becomes elitist again because then it becomes this thing where you already know more no, than them. No, by... I disagree. Not okay. elitist, just niche. Just niche. 
I would ah. say. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. I'm not I'm not not using the word with them because I think I'm better than them and they won't understand. How dare they not understand, silly peasant. No, I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking that they won't understand and it's going to be more complicated to explain. Yeah, there's this whole huge online community of people who love what I love and it's cool and maybe you'll love it too. I can't be bothered to go into that. I'm just going to tell them I like language language learning. Oh yeah, I get that actually. That that makes you know a lot I mean? of sense. Yeah. yeah. I I mean, I think reclaiming polyglot or reclaiming, I don't know, because I don't know whether it was ever not in that space, but highlighting the semantic, the meaning of polyglot as joyful. I think that was the best thing Alex did in the, in that whole interview and that was kind of the first time in my life where I went yeah, I get it. Okay, if that's what polyglot is, I not just am one, but I totally want to be one. Like I'm down mm. with that. I'm. I just loved like it's. It reframed it into something that I completely was like, yeah. Where do I sign? Yeah. Just you know, joy, joyful, right? curious, and this feeling of oh, I can't get enough language. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like you know, the, the kind of ongoing curiosity doesn't matter if you speak them all even just the intent and that was again that i really liked that in in what alex said is it's about the intent it's about you know where you where your curiosity lies because you could be learning you don't have to speak 17 languages because you could be learning ancient greek and latin and just you know languages that don't necessarily have a big spoken component i loved learning Mm. latin um, never spoke a single word of Latin to a Roman. Guess what? You know, but we did translations, and we you you can interact with languages in lots of different ways, um, and I think that is really really interesting. So maybe when language becomes your your like lens or whatever, um, there is there is something there that actually makes polyglotism desirable, positive, and certainly something where I go, yeah, okay, I'm down with that. And I guess that's where I'm landing with all this. That's nice. That's that's a good place to be, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was so funny because Alex was like, well, you know, because you'll be saying polyglot before you know it. And I was like, mm, I don't know. But at the moment, I still feel like if I had to introduce myself to even somebody who kind of is familiar with the community, I would be or like, you know, introduced on a blog somewhere or something. Like you, I am happy being in- introduced as a polyglot. I don't usually select that word for myself. But I think mm. uh, in this context, I would then be able to say, I'm a polyglot in the sense that I enjoy and love language learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And is it crazy? Like, given everything we've just said and the whole kind of positive, perhaps, transformation, if you like, of this <laughs> word. And I still feel like if I say hi, I'm Lindsay and I'm a polyglot, to people who know what the word means, it'll be like, oh, okay, what language do you speak? Prove it. I still feel that there would be, there would be perhaps people who would ask for the proof and the evidence and the hard, solid X number of languages on the, on the, on the line. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I still feel that, which is, which is a shame. And I do hope, I really do hope that that, um, kind of, part of my brain that thought if you like um kind of disintegrates and disappears and well, I think it will I think it will over time if you but are a show just... listener oh sorry Lindsay that's all right now go on uh making a time note it cuts down on my workload later when I listen back to it yeah. just skipped it a bit okay I'll do a clap 
if you are a listener to the show today and you're kind of, you know, listening to us and sort of nodding or shaking your head or whatever, um, especially if you're currently a speaker of perhaps one or two languages and you're listening to the show and you are identifying with the idea of polyglots because you're so curious about it or because you're interested about it or because you think, yeah, that's totally my thing and the intention is my thing and I'd love to, you know, I'd totally put myself in the polyglot uh, space of meaning. Um, then please get in touch, please let us know, because I think it would be super interesting to to see, you know, in context of what Lindsay just said, about is there the pressure to prove how many, you know, to basically show your badge, or isn't there? Because if there isn't the pressure to show your badge, then I'm a member of the club. But but you are too, and and everybody is, and and you know like even an interest, even a curiosity for different languages, kind of really identifies us. I think that that would that would be really 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 interesting. But then at the same time, how can you be interested in foreign languages without learning one? Maybe that's not a thing. Oh no, I think you can. Ah, I think you can. I think you can be interested and you can be curious, and mm-hmm. then not actually learn definitely fascinating stuff okay so i'm gonna i think this debate is incredibly rich and we've discussed so so much so we've talked about the word polyglot and one of the advantages of this word having been that it's kind of been a blank canvas so something that you can actually process for yourself and the community did this we've talked about community and what you know youtube has got to do with it and we talked about the upside or downside of bragging versus performing which i think is extremely interesting so that was fascinating stuff um and finally we've also talked obviously to alex rawling so thank you so much and we touched on the events so uh, the upcoming events in the polyglot space are the polyglot gathering which is an event happening in Berlin from the 4th to the 8th, I think, of May. Um, that's at polyglotberlin.something. Let me just check. Polyglotberlin.com. <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? <laughs> um, mm. And there is also the Polyglot Conference, and you can search for that on the internet. And these two things are not the, di- the same thing, they're different um, events organized by different people but obviously both for the same purpose as in you meet each other and you talk about why language learning is awesome and what makes it great show takeaway Lindsay um, what do you think this all comes down to this whole debate what what can you what can we recommend to the listeners to to try to to engage with in terms of uh, polyglot what do you reckon I think takeaway for today, I'm going to take Alex's word for this, where he says it is what you make it. If we want the word polyglot to be something positive, then it will be. If we want it to be something where you compare how many languages you speak and how well you speak them and oh my God, you're better than here, do bro, peacock, then it will be that too. So it is what you make it and I would prefer if it was the first one. Dude Bro Peacock is exactly, it's a very good description of, of, yeah, (laughs) I think that sums it up extremely, extremely well. Um, And it also gives, um, and this is a debate for another day, it gives females the 
space the identity that sometimes I think they're not necessarily afforded. Oh um, no, e equally, equally, do that sis, equally, I think mm, that's fair. Yeah, I mean there, there is really something to, you know, the the fact that the women in this space have been more in the community building area and the men in this space have been a bit more performy. I think that's just a um, a product of, of what the world is like. And obviously Lindsay and I, you know, uh, drama performance ladies, uh, we're here to kind of, you know, be visible. I think that's a, I'm very happy to, to be visible in this space. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it is what you make it, guys. You know, take it, take it on. It'd be really interesting to kind of hear where you come down on this side of what isn't really much of a debate anymore because we're coming to a conclusion now. Um, but whether you've gone through similar thought processes and what you thought of Alex's interpretations of Polyglot, Alex's talk about the events and where he's kind of coming in and falling down on 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 everything that we've talked about. This has been super interesting, Lindsay. Yay. Yeah, I agree. Really, really fascinating debate. Okay. And with that, it's goodbye from me, Kirsten. And it's goodbye from Lindsay. Adios. I thought I'd mix it up a bit. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Creative Language Learning Podcast, guys. Don't forget to subscribe and to rate the podcast in iTunes or on Stitcher. That's always very much appreciated. If you have any feedback or you've got any questions, you can email me, Kirsten, K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk, or you can find me on Facebook, Fluent Language Tuition, or on Twitter, at Kirsten Hammers, that is K-E-R-S-T-I-N-H-A-M-M-E-S. -M -M -E